Hey friends, welcome to The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. I'm your host, Andrea Fortenberry. This is a podcast about finding freedom from perfectionism to show up for the life God has for you. Mom life is messy, unpredictable, and just plain hard sometimes, but it's also amazing. I believe God uses it all to grow us into the women He wants us to be. We can't do motherhood on our own. We need God's help. We need wisdom from other moms. We need the encouragement of community. I hope you'll find all of that and more as you listen in. Welcome to episode 37 of The Perfectionist Guide to Mothering. Today I'm talking with my friend Lori Wildenberg. Lori is a friend of mine that I met through Call Creatives, and I just love what she is going to share with us today. Her passion is helping families build connections that last a lifetime. She is a licensed parent family educator, speaker, and author of six parenting books. Her most recent title is called Messy Hope, Help Your Child Overcome Anxiety, Depression, or Suicidal Ideation. She and her husband have four adult children, three bonus in-laws, and three beautiful grandbabies. Welcome, Lori. I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you, Andrea, and with your listeners. I'm really excited to be here. I loved, we were chatting before we started recording that we got to see each other at MomCon in Nashville, the MOPS conference last month, and it was just so awesome. And Lori gave a workshop on this book that we're going to talk about today. And I know that you listeners are going to love what she has to share with us. So let's dive in, friend. Will you tell us about the latest book and what inspired you to write it? Yeah, so... um... You know, it sounds like kind of a heavy title, Messy Hope, Help Your Child Overcome Anxiety, Depression, or Suicidal Ideation. And, um, you know, the reason I wrote this book and my inspiration is my youngest kiddo. Uh, She's an adult. And when she was in college, um, she had a failed suicide attempt. So praise the Lord that she did. Mm -hmm. And she had been battling with depression. And her um, college is about four hours from our our home. And so I knew that she was struggling, but I wasn't quite, I didn't realize the total depth to it um, until I started noticing her voice was getting really flat, um, Mm -hmm. kind of void of emotion. And that was very frightening. And then when she confided in me that um, she had attempted to take her life the the night before and and God didn't allow it, Mm -hmm. um, of course, I went there and stayed with her for about, I don't know, a week. And then she came home and and, uh, anyway, felt like she was able to, after a little bit of time, go back to school. Um, but the reason she's the inspiration, but this book never would have been written without, um, what really actually spurred me on with what I believe was the God nudge. Um, my daughter ended up writing a blog about, um, her experience with depression and her experience of attempting to take her life, uh, to encourage other people that they're not alone in their struggle. And she 
was encouraging them in some ways to really build hope into their lives. And as I read that, I thought, and this was like a couple years after, you know, all of this had taken place. So she was, you know, well into her healing at that point. And I asked her, what would she think if uh, I, with her permission, if I wrote a book about this to help other parents, because her audience were, was the people who are struggling with mm -hmm. this. And <clears throat> parents wanna know what they can do to help their kiddos and you know how they can enter into the healing and the helping. And she was 100% for it. It was a very, um, it was a hard book to write in the sense that I've got Kendra's voice and other people's voices sprinkled throughout the book, explaining, you know, how they were feeling and, and looking back or even in the middle of how they're feeling um, and parents as well. So it was, it was a challenge to get through because I, you know, Andrea, I, I had a fear of writing this that, you know, here's the, here's the what if, right? What if this brings having my daughter do some quotes for the book? What if this brings her back to that dark place? I would have abandoned the project in a heartbeat. Um, and it, it scared me a little bit. And as she was working on the book with me, I asked her, I checked in with her a number of times, mm -hmm. probably more than she would have wanted me to. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I checked in and I'd say, you know, are you doing okay? And she said, you know, she goes in a way, it's even hard to go back. And I was like, oh, that I, you know, held my breath. And she right. goes, because it's tough for me to relate to that now, because I'm so mm -hmm. far from that. And with that encouragement, I was ready to move forward because I knew that she was going to be okay. And I also knew the power of this, what the, this book can do can so help so many families. So um, anyway, she's my inspiration, my motivation, and God just continued to, to nudge the project forward. And many brave people spoke up and shared their heart of hearts and um, you know, different trials and difficulties that they've been through as well, and things that are helpful and things that are not helpful uh, from other people. Right. So. I love how you guys worked on this project together, you and your daughter. And I also love that just the honesty from it and, and the story and the encouragement that you provide, because I think sometimes we think, oh, if I am raising my family with Christian principles and we go to church, like my child won't struggle with some of these things. So I love that you are honest and real. And it's like, yes, all, all of us are broken. So we we all are going to have some struggles and here, here's what we learned. Here's what we went through. And here's how we can help you as you might be facing those things as well. Yeah. You know, that shame piece, you know, that's of course the enemy, right. Speaking right. to us and, and not wanting us to share our pain. And, and then, you know, we have this idea, you know, I mean, just as the name of your podcast, if we do it perfectly, if we do it, if we do it right, then we're guaranteed this particular outcome. Well, we're not guaranteed anything. And, you know, and 
what we are guaranteed is that we always have hope in the Lord. And there's all kinds of truths and things, promises that we are guaranteed. But scripture tells us, Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. And then, but he doesn't leave it there. Right. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And so we need to start sharing this stuff. Uh, you know, we've all, I'm going to say everyone knows of someone that has taken their life or is struggling with some sort of uh, mental illness, depression, anxiety, panic attacks. You know, right. we all know of someone and, and probably may know of someone really well uh, or someone, you know, that has taken their life. Now in Colorado, here's a super sad statistic. Um, it used to be that suicide was the second leading cause of death, but now in, in Colorado and Oregon, it is the first leading cause. It's number one. What are we doing? And we need to be able to admit when we are struggling. And I do think that is part of our, our like independent culture. Like mm -hmm. we want to be able to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and say, I got this, or we expect other people to just get over it. And what we're doing is we are preventing them from getting help. And that is a hopeless situation because they feel like, how could I, how can I get myself out of this? You know, they right. can't, they, their reserves are bottomed out. Right. You're right. We, we all know people that have gone through anxiety, depression, like you're saying, or, or we ourselves have gone through it. And, mm -hmm. and it very often we feel that shame, like you said, that comes from the enemy. But I think the more that we have these types of conversations and the more we can be real and honest with each other, the more healing can happen. I think just knowing we're not alone is like a huge first step to, mm -hmm. to being able to get help when we need help or when our child needs help and, and just knowing that we're not alone and that help is available is, is a huge encouragement. Yeah. And on the parental side of it to um, not let fear stop you. It is scary when your child is struggling with, you know, some emotional issues, it's very frightening. Mm -hmm. And we need to get past that and ask some of those super hard questions that are very frightening to ask, but not asking them could be worse. And so to ask, you know, specifically, how are you doing today? Like really get into today rather than how are you doing? When we say, how are you doing? It's sort of like everybody gives the canned response. But today, when you add in the word yeah. today, it, it feels like, wow, you know, that um, she really wants my true answer. And then the very scary, and that's not such a scary question, but the very scary question would be something along the lines of um, if they answer that they're having a really hard time, then the next question is, um, have you thought about or have you made a plan for taking your life? And what I talked to Kendra about this in, in depth, my daughter, and I said, you know, that's a scary thing for a, a parent to ask. And she said, well, it's, just, it's not going to put an idea in anybody's head. 
And what it is going to do is open up that conversation so that the responsibility and the burden of that conversation is not on the person struggling. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that they want to do is if they're a sensitive person is they don't want to worry you. They don't want to concern you. They want to just try to, again, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. So to ask the question, if you're thinking that that question needs to be asked, chances are very good that thought has occurred in them. And then they know that you are in this with them and you can talk about anything. Nothing is off limits. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important for our kids to know, even though that's a really scary thing to ask, it won't be a catalyst to spur something on Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. that you don't want to spur on. Yeah. I think, like you said, our kids are already, whether it's this particular struggle or some other things, like maybe it's talking to our kids about like pornography or other hard things that they face as they get older, obviously, you know, when they're little, thankfully they don't have uh, these types of struggles, but as they get older, they, they can. And just asking those questions, even though it's uncomfortable is helpful. And like you said, they've likely already thought about it, or they've heard about these things from other kids at school or things they've seen online. And so it's good for us to, to press through the fear and ask those hard questions anyway. Yeah, that's good. And surprisingly, as I was researching for this book, pretty young kids are going through some, you know, depression and anxiety types of things. And as young as five, and that, that's another frightening thing. So we need to be proactive and build hope in our kids. And, and we need to do, be aware of the things that squelch or kill that hope. Mm-hmm. You know, the hope busters, as I refer to them. We need to build hope and, and to stop doing the hope busters. And for them, our kids to also learn some really hopeful truths yeah. that that can carry them. So we can be proactive and we can be reactive in the middle of the mess as well. And that's, that's my hope for the book is that parents who had really parents who have kids today, our kids, let's face it, are growing up in a hard world, a really hard world, and they need hope and they need help. And we can do something that can be proactive or even just get them ready, arm them for the difficulties that are to come so that they're prepared. And hopefully they won't go through, you know, what my daughter went through. But if they do go through a time of depression or great anxiety, this book will also help in the middle of that as well. So um, I just, I'm, I'm thankful that God had me write it. I'm not excited that we went through what we went through. That was really hard, but I know that this book is um, helping people and my daughter's in a good place now. Yeah. So good. Like you said, I think we kind of, this topic is heavy and helping our kids through these things can be really heavy, but I love the verse that you shared, John 16, 33 about Jesus tells us in this world, we will have trouble, but take heart because he has overcome the world. So I feel like this is a good place to talk about like, how can, how can we 
turn the hard things into hope? How can we teach our kids that hope is on the other side because we know Jesus and because he loves us? So will you tell us in the book, hope is an acronym. So will you share what that stands for with our listeners? Yeah, I, you know, I have, I think there's 12 chapters in the book, all with various ways to help our kids embrace hope. And then I conclude the book with four of those ways. And just to to be able for our kids to know that H-O-P-E, H for help, that there is help available to them and that they can also be someone's helper. Uh, Help is a big deal because it speaks to our interdependence with one another. And our kids need to be raised in a situation where they know that it's more of an all for one and one for all kind of experience rather than the Lone Ranger experience. We want to have a relationship with our kids that lasts a lifetime. And one way that we can reinforce that idea is to be their helper and for them to know you are available to help them And you also like to have their help. And sometimes we look at the word help as if it's a a negative or a weakness. But when in fact, help, asking for help is a smart thing to do and it's a brave thing to do. And when we do ask for help, we do need to make sure we're asking the right people because there are some people that aren't helpful. Yes, <laughs> so true. <laughs> so you will always want to ask someone that you really think would be able to, you know, and I speak to that, like, um, who are emotionally safe people. Mm-hmm. So that that is one way that I think is a really important thing for our kids to know there is no shame in asking for help, mm-hmm. no matter their age. And and for right. them to know that their parents are coming alongside them. Right. And I think that's a really important thing for them to know. And yeah. as little, I mean, even with toddlers, we can reinforce this idea um, through small ways of helping. For instance, you know, your child accidentally, not on purpose, mm-hmm. accidentally knocks over some milk. You can say to your child, if you give this message more often than not, this is a really powerful message. That's okay everybody spills, I'll help you clean it up. So what they hear is we're not going to freak out. That's okay. Mom's not going to go crazy. Everybody spills. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody has disappointments. Everybody feels sad at one time or another. I'll help you clean it up. I will come alongside you. That doesn't negate your responsibility to clean it up. But what it lets you know is I'm right there with you. Right. For our kids to know that that is critical. Yeah. And we can start that at a young, young, young age. I love when you shared, shared that because I know that my reaction when my kids were really little and would spill would be like, ah, you know, and have that moment where like my emotions were like zero to 10. And because I saw it as like, oh, this is a huge inconvenience. Like, why weren't you more careful? That was my natural reaction. And one time I was at church, I've shared this on the podcast several times. So bear with me listeners, but just about how I was with a friend of mine, my women's ministry director, and she has grandkids of her own. And her response when my son spilled 
was just so sweet and kind. She said, oops, let's clean this up. And she did just what you said. Like, she's like, come on, you know, William and helped him clean up. And I just thought, wow, that difference is so huge compared to how I naturally react. And I thought about like, what is my reaction teaching my kids? What is, what is changing my reaction mean? And so I love how you shared that just simple, simple retraining of ourselves, but it can make such an impact with our kids. And the side benefit is you feel better yourself. True. true. You know, I mean, somehow when you say that's okay, it does something to you like, okay, that's okay. I can deal with this too. Right. Right, right. But we are always in a hurry and, you know, there's other kids doing other things and it, there's a lot going on. And so it is a frustrating thing, but if we start speaking it, it, it helps in that moment, but it also helps in future moments. So when they come to you with other things, they know that you're going to say, that's okay. Everybody goes through this kind of thing, right? You know, there's trouble in the world, you know, and I'm going to come alongside you, you know, and Jesus has overcome it, you know, and, and in scripture, God is called our helper. I mean, that's just such a cool thing. The God of the universe. I mean, I, it blows me away in the Psalms. He's called our helper. What, you know, being a helper and asking for help are good, honorable human things and nothing to be ashamed of. So that's the letter H um, the, for the acronym, as we were talking about the letter O, having that out of the box perspective. And this is one that has to be trained ahead of time, not in the middle of the mess. Because if you're in the middle of the mess, the last thing, and this would be a hope buster, <laughs> the last thing you want someone to say is, oh, it's not so bad or get over it mm-hmm. or, you know, somebody else has it worse. <laughs> right. Okay, so that we don't want to do. But what we do want to do is if we can do some training in gratitude and ways to look at things post making a mistake or post having a disappointment and how God used that, Mm -hmm. then that's an out of the box perspective. But that, of course, needs to be done at the right moment or it can backfire. Right. I think that old adage of, you know, your kids aren't eating the food and you're like, there's hungry children in China or Africa or whatever. (laughs) Like, you're right. It's like, that doesn't help in the moment. It makes them feel some shame in the moment, you know, but could we talk about it later of the bigger picture, you know, like, this is why it's important to eat our food or not be wasteful or whatever it is. And you're right in the heat of the moment. Sometimes it's not the best timing. (laughs) No, (laughs) That's so true. And then the letter P, prayer, um, praying with and for our kids and having a prayer partner. Uh, those are also things that are really good ways to instill an attitude of hope and hopefulness in your kiddo. Mm-hmm. Um, hope is stirred by prayer mm-hmm. and prayer stirs hope. It's kind of like this cyclical thing. Yeah. So if you're feeling a little hopeless, start to start to pray. Mm-hmm. And I, I know that sometimes that's hard. Um, I've had situations where I've not been able to pray because I have felt in such, in a, in a real hopeless way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why a prayer partner is really important because 
we know that the spirit prays on our behalf. And that's a, that's a huge thing. Yet to have another person that you feel safe with, that you can confide in, that will pray with you and pray for you when the going gets tough. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a huge thing. It's a huge blessing. And again, that's that idea of interdependency, helping each other and depending on God. So that, that is key. And then lastly, to train our kids to expect the unexpected again Mm. in this world, they're (laughs) going to have trouble. So, uh, to know that life isn't always happy. And in this sort of post COVID, can we say post COVID? I know I was telling someone that yesterday, like, where are we still in the middle? I hope we're at the end. I hope we're post. I don't, I don't know. I don't know where we are in time 2021. (laughs) Yeah. So wherever we are in that mess, what we have learned during the middle of the hardest part of that is that we are going to have trouble. We did learn that. So our kids need to be prepared for having those feelings of, of grief and being able to walk through that with them and for them to experience it and not do the hope busting thing where we dismiss it or try to make it better, but allow them to really experience grief so that when things get, as they get older, when things get especially hard, they have a little something to fall back on and realize, okay, I I know what this is and I know it's going to take me a little time, but even in the middle of my grief, I can still feel joy. Mm -hmm. And, And that's actually something for parents to look at, to see regarding depression. Is this just really big grief or is it depression? Because with depression, there is zero joy Mm -hmm. and, and to keep an eye on that. So you're able to just determine what next steps are. Yeah. So, um, and grief is temporary and, and scripture tells us that, you know, so, um, that that's one thing kids are going to feel angry and they're going to feel fearful, but the great thing is, you know, with anger that can spur on righteous deeds mm-hmm. and, you know, if we're not sinning in our anger and, and fearful that can spur on, courage and bravery in a person. So for us not to jump into the mix and to save all the time, but again, come alongside. Right. And with that interdependency so that our kids are better armed for having trouble in the world. Right. As parents, we, we want to protect our kids. We don't want them to feel pain and hurt and all of those things. And I remember a pastor at our church one time talking about that he has older kids and he said, looking back, if I could do something different, it would be to not rescue my kids from pain all the time. And he said, he recalled like, you know, their family pet passed away and they were all super sad. And he's like, let's go get ice cream, you know, and tried to, <laughs> yeah. tried to make it light and, ha- you know, ha- he wanted his kids to feel happy, not sad, but he said, I think there's such value in teaching our kids how to process that pain or that loss and let them know, well, Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. And let them know, like, this is something healthy for you to experience. Like if your dog passes away and you're happy, not sad, like something is wrong, you know? So I just loved that reminder of how are we going to teach our kids hope and resilience and how to process the hard things if we don't 
go let them experience it. And what better time to let them process this than with us when they're in our home still and guide them through it. And like you said, just that interdependence of walking alongside them as they face these unexpected things. Yeah. You know, I was thinking as you were talking, um, when I was doing my research, a lot of one thing that I came across that I thought was really profound was that reality is more important than positivity. And I thought that was really, really powerful because so often we try to be so positive that it actually is kind of toxic because we're glossing over a struggle rather than entering into problem solving, which could be a creative thing to do, or even just going through the mess with somebody, which is a brave thing to do. So having that speaking reality, like, yeah, you know, this is your pet dies. That's devastating. That's a part of the family. Not, oh, you know, um, we can get another dog, right? We're, we're dismissing the feeling. And that, again, that's another hope buster is to dismiss the feeling, but rather to speak to the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. And that is way more important than the positivity. The positivity can get toxic, uh, used in a particular way. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so good. So helpful. What are a couple more hope busters? You shared a few, but are there any others that you want to share with us? And how can we as parents fight against those hope busters and choose hope instead? Um, I think conditional love that kind of gets mixed in with competition and comparison. Mm -hmm. I think that is a really big hope buster. And we have to be as parents, very careful what we do with that comparison. It is natural for us due to our experience to look at our kids and and compare them in terms of, oh, you know, when so-and-so was one, he was already walking and my second child isn't, should I be worried? I mean, it's a natural thing to do that, but we need to have a check on ourselves to remember that our kids are created on purpose for a purpose and uniquely created. Mm -hmm. And they all have their own set of skills and natural talents and abilities, and they all have their own set of challenges and um, things that might take longer to learn. And Mm -hmm. so we need to be really careful of that comparison, particularly in our family. And to, to keep that in check as the kids get older, because sometimes we can think, wow, you know, this could be motivational for my child, when in fact, it is not motivational. It actually pulls the rug out from under them. And I can give you an example. Um, my youngest was um, pre-puberty. And as, as young girls get, as they are getting ready to move into puberty, get a little bit thicker. Mm-hmm. And, and actually she wasn't even that much. It's just, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a natural her, process. Yeah. Yeah. But in her eyes, it was more than she was comfortable with. And she's really worried about that. Mm -hmm. And rather than me talk through that worry with her, because I, it made me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I didn't want her to worry about that. I knew she didn't need to worry about that from my adult perspective. And, but yet the reality was she was worried about it. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to 
go into this. I thought even talking about it would give um, credence to that worry. And so rather than me coming alongside her and talking with her about her worry and maybe even coming up with a good plan for healthy food or something, mm -hmm. instead I said, you know, just moderation, watch, you know, watch your sister, you're fine. She exercises and eats healthy, it's not an issue. Now, what I had just done without meaning to, thinking that I'm helping, mm -hmm. I was hurting mm -hmm. because I was saying, I was setting her sister up as the one to compare herself to. And they have a different body type anyway. Right, right. So that is a really, that's a big hope buster. And to be very careful of that. Um, conditional love when it looks like, for instance, um, sometimes I'll, I'll hear parents say, well, even though I promised you this, you don't deserve it because of something. Well, if we do promise something, we need to follow through. Right. If they need to earn something, that's a whole different deal. For instance, you don't take away a kid's birthday party when, you know, they have behaved badly the day before, right? Um, you might come up with a different sort of way of either training or, or tweaking a behavior, but right. to pull in the big guns, um, that is, that starts to feel helpless and hopeless. Right. Oh, so good. Such great things for us to think about ahead of time and then choose, like you're saying, choose a different response, rehearse in our head, what we're going to say and use that when the time comes up, when the time is right. That's good. Any other practical things, Lori, that we can do to share hope with our kids? Um, yeah, I think we can just to kind of get an idea where they're at, because I do think this is a really helpful thing for parents to kids who are more likely because stress is sort of like a cool thing right now. Mm -hmm. So they're more likely to admit to a stressful situation. So, so ask them what things are causing you stress. Mm, that's a great and question. That, that is a good way to lead into how are you doing today? Mm. And, you know, and then beyond if you need to go mm -hmm. beyond. But that's a really good question to get a really good feel for where they are. For some reason, that's almost a badge of honor rather than shame. So mm -hmm. asking about stress is not as vulnerable of a question. So to ask, you know, what causes you stress? Mm -hmm. I think that's a good one. Uh, when your child is saying, well, what if I don't make the team? Or, you know, what if I don't get into this particular school? The what ifs. Have them turn that question around. This is a really empowering thing that they can do that fuels hope. Even if I don't get into that school, even if I don't make the team, I can still. And those are some very tangible things that we can do to build hope into our kids. Even something as simple as delayed gratification. Mm -hmm. That is another way to build hope in our kids because the waiting, right? And hope is birthed in the waiting, that awful waiting. So for them to 
get used to having some delayed gratification versus instant gratification is really important. Um, I was with a, well, at MOPS, at MOPCON, mm-hmm. um, I was with a, a, the group, a group of speakers. We went out for dinner together mm-hmm. and uh, that was really fun. Well, anyway, one of the speakers said that she had decided that she, when she didn't know the answer to a question, she was going to sit on that for a little bit rather than ask, <laughs> ask Siri. <laughs> and, and she said, that's really hard because she's kind of trained herself to get to the place where I don't know this. I'm going to quick get my answer. She said, right. I don't think that's good for my brain. And that we need to kind of wrestle with that a little bit and see if it will naturally come up rather than have that instant gratification. And I mean, think of it, you know, we ask, we say something in the car, I I can think of the the first time that this happened, this was a a number of years ago, and we were trying to remember who was on what particular show. And boom, you know, the teenagers, right, they're getting out their phone and they've got the answer like that. Right. And it was like, oh, wow. And then, or they fact check you. (laughs) (laughs) That's not right. But But for us to be able to sit in the waiting of that is actually a really important skill. And it's good for our brain to to build that resiliency in there. So um, those are a few things that they're small, but they're really impactful and they're simple to, you know, to implement. Right. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I think we lose some wonder in life. We never have to wonder about anything because we can look it up. But I, you're so right that that wonder, I think creativity, problem solving, hope, all of that is born in that wondering waiting period. So yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any final thoughts on hope before we move to lightning round questions? Um, gosh, I just think that, uh, you know, the, the prayer thing is, is really critical. Uh, and to really be careful of throwing out some platitudes, um, Mm. you know, uh, things that we, we know don't settle right with us Mm -hmm. that, you know, someone has it worse or it could be worse. Uh, you should be grateful for, Mm -hmm. um, but rather ahead of time, you know, work on that gratefulness, work mm-hmm. on that delayed gratification, teach your kids to pray, mm-hmm. um, let them know that you pray for them, mm-hmm. pray with them. These are our things that we can do and to share our own struggles with our kids so that they know that you've gone through some heartache and hardship as well. Right. And you haven't done life perfectly either because they kind of think that you haven't had the had struggles. Now our struggles might be different, but yet they cause similar emotions. Right. And so they, they need to know that. Yeah. I love that. I think that's super important and great reminder for us. Awesome. Well, friend at the end of every episode, I like to ask some fun questions. So here we go. What are you reading, watching, or listening to these days? Well, I always read a lot because I feel like I'm always researching. Um, but here's some fun things that I okay. <laughs> that I've been reading. 
I had just finished Bob Goff's two books. Well, he's got three, but I haven't hit that one yet. Um, everybody, uh, everybody always and love does. Mm. Oh gosh, those are great. Yes, they, they are wonderful books, and they're they're heartwarming. They're challenging. They're hopeful. They're a mixture of everything, yes. and sometimes like laugh out loud funny. Yes, <laughs> I so good. And then um, I've just actually it should arrive on my doorstep today. Patricia, Patricia Raybon, she is like my all-time favorite author. I love her. If I could write like her, oh gosh, that'd be <laughs> great. Anyway, she has her first fiction book out. She is, I heard about written, this. Yeah, a lot of nonfiction. And like, um, I even had, oh my gosh, Andrea, I even had the great privilege of endorsing one of her books. Oh, that was like, awesome. I know she's like my hero writer. And for her to ask, I was so nervous, but it was um, a Christian mom and her Muslim daughter um, that, that, that book. And that it was book. really, okay. yeah, it was really good. And anyway, but the one that she's got coming out is, um, oh, and, and their path to peace. That was the, mm -hmm. that was the rest of the Did title. Um, but, uh, the one that she's got coming out, I love mysteries. I've, you know, if I have time to read mystery is usually mm -hmm. where I like to go. And, um, she's got a book coming out called all that is secret. Ooh. And I'm excited to read that. Awesome. I'll have to put mystery. that on. Yeah, yeah. On my list. I saw someone else post about it. And so, yeah, I'll link I'm sure it's awesome. She writes like nobody else. She's amazing. So Anyway, I can't wait to get that. I'm thinking it's showing up today. So. Fun. I love when new books come, come to the yes. doorstep. <laughs> so exciting. Oh. Okay. Next question. What is a favorite product, service, or practice that makes your life easier or runs smoothly? Okay. We have a milkman. Ooh. I love the milkman. That's that awesome. is the best. Oh my gosh. So Yep. Every awesome. Tuesday. <laughs> That's awesome. I recently learned that we have a dairy. So yeah, at our grocery store, we can buy milk, like it's local. It comes in a glass bottle. You have to pay oh. for the deposit and like you get the deposit back. And one of my friends told me that they deliver now. So I've been thinking about that because oh. it'll like automate the milk coming in and out of the house. So I like I can that tell idea. You, it is the best thing. And now we've reduced our order significantly, but when, you know, we had all four kids under our roof, right. man, that was, <laughs> that was so great. It's still great. It's still great. Yeah. But yeah. The milkman is totally one of my best friends. I think that's so cool. It's going to prompt me to look at it again. Like I looked at the pricing, <laughs> like I just hadn't done it yet. So I think that might push me over the edge to, <laughs> to do that. That's awesome. Next question. What is your best soul or self-care tip? for moms? Um, I think I have two best ones. Okay. Share both. So one is getting outside, you know, mm -hmm. either with your kiddos or just for your own little walk, but getting outside, I think that's huge. Also phone a friend. Oh, love that one. And, you know, I know those conversations when you've got little ones can be a little frustrating because it's hard to get a sentence in. But to get in the habit of that mm -hmm. and, um, you know, as your kids get older, you have more opportunity to, to have those conversations. So not just text a friend, phone a friend. I, I agree. 
I think that's a, that's really big. Love that. So good. Next question. What is God teaching you in this season of life? I think satisfaction or contentment, perhaps, mm. um, you know, how that kind of spills into internal peace. Right. So, um, to be satisfied. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's what I'm learning. That's good. I think in this season where, like you said, are we post COVID we're in COVID? We don't know with still things kind of out of our control that discerning what is within our control and how can we be content with today, with where we are, with where things are is really good. Yeah. Love that. And lastly, where can people connect you, find you, find the book, all those good things? Okay. So my website is Lori Wildenberg, L-O-R-I-W-I-L-D-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. So you can connect with me there. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Lori Wildenberg, and I have a page called Moms Together. And also a Moms Together group, which is very interactive on Facebook. And that's, uh, that's another way to connect. And then, uh, oh, also Instagram. So I'm on Instagram as well. And I can be connected with there as Lori Wildenberg or uh, Lori Wilden or Moms Together on Instagram too. Awesome. I will be sure to link all of that so listeners can find you. Thank you, Lori. This was so helpful. Such good tips for us as our kids are going to face hard things in their life. Like we said, that that is trouble is expected for all of us in some shape or form. And so having these tools is going to be so helpful. Thanks. And I forgot to mention that you can get Messy Hope, um, help your child overcome anxiety, depression, or suicidal ideation, you can get it on Amazon or at uh, any other online bookstore or um, a brick and mortar bookstore. And if it, it's still pretty new, it just came out August 23rd. So if it's not on the shelves, ask your bookstore owner. So, yes, awesome. I'll be sure to link that as well. Thanks, friend. Thanks. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Would you do me a favor and help me get the word out about the Perfectionist Guide to Mothering? I'd be so appreciative if as you listen, you take a screenshot, post it to social media, and tag me. You can also rate and review the podcast wherever you're listening so that other moms can find it. Looking forward to being with you next time.